Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I'm here with Jim Cooper, COO and CTO and co-founder of Braid Theory, uh, a, an accelerator that is focused around the fluid economy. Jim, thanks again for joining the podcast. Thanks, Eric. I um, appreciate being here very much. No worries. So, Jim, you know, you have such great expertise in the blue economy, and that's what today's podcast discussion is today. Why don't you explain to us what Braid Theory is? Because I think it has an interesting uh parallel and intersection with our uh, podcast discussion. Yeah, sure. Um, so we're a vertically integrated venture advisory uh, focused around commercialization of early stage transformative um, technologies in the blue economy. Um, the blue economy is uh, generally regarded as um, uh, all the constituent pieces that belong to um, all of those sectors that touch the ocean. Um, so, you know, it, it's a confluence of um, uh, food and agriculture, uh, energy and water, um, the ocean itself, fisheries and aquaculture, um, ports and shipping, logistics, uh, advanced transportation, uh, even aerospace, um, life sciences, especially things like synthetic biology um, and biotech. Um, but also um, enabling technologies, software as a service, IoT, things like that that allow the, um, the transformative capacity of the, of the blue economy. Interesting. It seems like it's a broad swath that the blue economy covers. Um, in your experience, we would be a great theory and what you're seeing down in the greater Los Angeles area, do you think that the blue economy has taken off recently, particularly in the startup ecosystem or in the, in the general economy? I think in the general economy, I think there's a, a lot more scope for um, for uh, what we call blue tech uh, or ocean tech. Um, I think that there is a lot of um, there are a lot of companies, particularly startups, that are operating within the framework of um, the blue economy, but without saying that they're part of the blue economy. So you know, climate technology companies or um, or clean tech, those are often ones that we associate with um, with the blue economy. Um, and, and sure, they make up a constituent part of the blue economy, uh, particularly things that are around energy and water. Um, but we're not singly um, focused around just those areas. The blue economy is, is kind of a multi and cross-disciplinary um, uh, field and it's cross and multiple sectors. So um, if, if a... If, let's take it from an investor perspective. If someone was investing in a company that was doing climate technology, they're likely investing in the blue economy. If they're investing in a company in say logistics or goods movement, um, they're probably investing in a company that works adjacent to the blue economy. So the blue economy touches so many things and affects so many lives um, that, um, um, that it's, it, it is, I, I would like to say that it, it is the economy, <laughs> you know, um, mm -hmm. even, even things like, um, you know, nearly 50% of our, um, our food is grown um, uh, by aquaculture. Uh, our, sorry, our, our, our um, seafood is grown by aquaculture. Um, so, you know, not just fin fish, but also um, shrimp and, um, and uh, oysters and, and other kind of bivalves and stuff. Um, there's a, a burgeoning um, area around kelp and kelp farming and all the capacity and the capabilities that, that kelp has to offer, um, including value-added food ingredients, um, 
biofuels, um, and even um, there's a one species of kelp, Asparagopsis, which can be used to um, prevent cows from burping and uh, and and giving off methane. So there's there's a range of things that are that are happening within the the the, uh, the blue economy, which of course uh, derives a lot of its kind of pedigree from um, from land-based technologies. So you know agricultural ag tech, um, energy that's derived from you know offshore wind is essentially the wind powered turbines that you have on land mm -hmm. but they're off sitting offshore so you know those are the kinds of things that i think are, um, are, are important parts placeholders if you like for for how the blue economy works it's interesting that you're talking about intersectionality and i'm giving a great description about how the blue economy encompasses like a variety of industry verticals and and if you think about a variety of companies and, and individuals, why do you think recently there's been such an interest in the blue economy? Is it more sociological change? Is it education? Is it just people are starting to understand, hey, it's not just, you know, I can't just focus on my narrow lane in industry. I have to take a look at the holistic perspective. I, I think there's a couple of answers to that. Um, one is, Obviously, um, from an investment point of view, um, there's a greenfield aspect to it, right? That these are kind of uncharted waters. Sorry, pardon the pun. Um, <laughs> these are uncharted waters. We we have a, a potential to invest a lot and get quite a bit of return. So obviously, that's the kind of the greenfield aspect of it. There's also, from a startup perspective, there's a there's a blue sky aspect to it too, right? Though can create something that can invent an idea and it can be part of the blue economy. It's it, the sky's the limit, right? Um, and I think that that's, um, that's driven an, uh, an interest in, um, in creating startups that solve immediate issues, immediate problems, right? So some of those immediate problems have become popular in the press. And so that's the third thing that I think would be a driver. Um, certainly things like energy and energy resources um, the um, microplastics uh, or plastics in general in, in the ocean and also um, sea level rise and climate change in general um, has kind of driven this, um, uh, this, this need or a want for um, um, something to take place around ocean technology. Um, we're also, we also have um, a protein gap um, right now where we're probably not getting enough proteins in our diet, um, at least on average over, over the world. Um, probably in some communities in the United States are probably eating more protein than they need. But um, and and are we getting and are we getting enough of the right kinds of proteins? And so I think there's a there's there's the opportunity for people to look at the ocean um, as a source for um, exploiting uh, protein. And while we're there, maybe exploiting, and I don't mean exploiting in a negative sense, I mean explo exploitation in a positive sense, um, you know, utilizing, if you like, um, you know, aspects of uh, ocean cultivation or ocean mm -hmm. mining um, uh, that can allow us to do, uh, and I don't mean mining and just like digging up stuff. I mean, mining could be, um, uh, right now we, we can mine um, salts, um, ocean mm -hmm. salts, for um, a range of different of different um, um, 
different chemicals. And I think that that's um, you know compound both compounds and and um, and elements um, that we can then use um, for other processes. Um, so I think that there's a really um, and, and I think we're only really discovering there's a really broad uh, way in which we can um, tap into into that. And then I, I think the final thing is that the cost of creating a startup has come so drastically. Um, has come down so drastically that um, we can build this kind of a agglomerated economy around mm -hmm. the blue economy, right? So um, it's cheaper to do the things around the ocean now than what it ever has been. Um, there are clear needs to solve problems around supply chain and logistics and optimize that. So these are kinds of big impact things that we can make a difference on. And I think that that is the kind of the final component that's really driving the way that the blue economy is being shaped. Uh, there's a lot to unpack in what you just said. Um, let's start with the startups. It's kind of interesting you brought up, you know, the variety that they could do. I know that there is a startup, I can't remember what it's called. I think the ocean cleanup that's cleaning up the Pacific garbage patch as an example. Yeah. Um, but you kind of emphasize that the startups we're in a phase where it's, I don't know if you would use the word cheaper to start up a startup now or maybe easier. Why do you think that is? Is it, is it a bit of technology? Is it a bit of change of, of mindset, all of the above? Um, I think, I think a, a little bit of both. I think as, as because, you know, ocean technologies, um, blue tech requires a lot of hardware, you know, mm -hmm. needs sensors to monitor things um, that there's, um, you, you can't build too much software at the back end in order to solve the problems that only a handful of sensors are going to be doing right so th there's a there's a there's a kind of a limit <laughs> kind of a moore's law of of the <laughs> kinds of component software that you can put onto a range of number of whatever iot sensors in order to drive some kind of particular solution you know whether it's for aquaculture and and detecting um, algae blooms or whatever it might be, right? Um, uh, near shore ocean observing for, you know, rogue waves or whatever it might be. So, um, but I think that there's an aspect where we can, um, so as the cost of creating hardware is comes down, we then have an ability to um, utilize that in a way that we can customize with, um, software that has a say a recurring revenue model right mm -hmm. um and i think that that's help that would that's helpful in the discussions as well we've had with startups um these um talks about where where a need is for a um an unfair advantage and I, so i think that they're because of how regulated the oceans are uh, and they're only going to become more regulated um that applying those things to an unfair advantage will certainly be able to breed some kind of competitive nature within the ecosystem, then producing more startups. I mean, so the theory goes, right, that mm -hmm. then it will produce more startups that enter into competition with one another that then kind of coalesce into, you know, the five or six, you know, high value startups that are kind of, if, if we could have our version of unicorns, right, that would be them. That would be be doing and solving those problems that are that are um, unique to that ocean environment. 
and so I, I, I think that that's part of that's part of it. I think the other part of of why startups are have have got these opportunities now, I think, is this: there's more awareness about how important the ocean is, and that they are now looking actively at those solutions. They're looking at those problems and trying to find solutions that mitigate things like climate change or sea level rise or whatever it might be. You know, loss of loss of fisheries, loss of habitat. Um, you know, we still haven't mapped most of the ocean, so that's a big challenge. Um, and um, and uh, we're finding that a lot of little startups uh, are, in an aggregated kind of a way, a lot of startups are filling the gaps um, where otherwise we would probably have um, we would probably have no solution. Interesting. Uh, I'm going to probe one on one comment you made, which was regards to hardware and the cost coming down. So I take it then from your comments that you see that the the recent uh, chip shortage that we've all been encountering, half due to of course supply chain issues, um, it, it it's an interim blip over the long term. So that that overall you see hardware continuing to come down in terms of cost. Would that be a fair statement? I think so, and I and I think I think too that as as a lot of the a lot of the startups are using um, a mashing together off the shelf components mm -hmm. that have traditionally been used anyway, um, or they're fashioning something through um, through their own proprietary methods. You know, they're they've got um, they create a prototype. Maybe they use something like an Arduino or a, a Raspberry Pi. Figure out iron out any of the issues. Figure out how they're going to make an app to drive to drive that. Figure out how to turn that app into something like a software as a service, um, and then kind of uh, come back to the hardware later, knowing that there's they've still got this software component that they can monetize. So I, I think there's a there's a bit of a um, uh, that there's a lot of companies that's not that necessarily want to be soup to nuts, but they want to they certainly want to. Um, um, they certainly want to create a solution that's kind of more holistic, serves a particular kinds of kind of a purpose. Where there is a competitive advantage, where there is an unfair advantage, and I think that the ocean provides that opportunity. Whereas um, ag tech probably doesn't do that at the moment. And if and if it's a if it's just about, I don't think it's just about chip shortages, um, mm -hmm. which will ultimately you know ultimately we can solve those problems and we'll finally get the chips that we need. I think there are other drivers that um, may create kind of an, um, uh, a price expectation that's probably higher than, um, than um, more recent, what we've seen more recently, before there was a chip shortage, before COVID. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm optimistic because most of those chip shortages are driven by supply chain issues. And if we solve those supply chain issues in, in an efficient way around things like software, then the chips will flow. And when the chips <laughs> flow, then we'll, be, then we'll be making more sensors and we'll be doing all, all of those things that we need for, the, for those startups to build that, that hardware. So I, I'm optimistic. Interesting. And I, I'm inclined to agree with you. Let, let's flip from the startups to the, the investor side. I mean, you've seen a lot of startups. You've, you've, you've advised a lot of startups, particularly in the blue economy. And, you know, what would be some of your recommendations to a potential investor uh, in, ter in terms of what to look for in a blue economy startup? And I know that covers a broad range, but, you know, some well, general, general 
ideas. Yeah. Um, so we're seeing about 430% increase in investments in the blue economy uh, year on year since about 2016, um, which is incredible growth, probably highest, one of the highest areas of growth um, that we've seen. Um, not as much, um, uh, you know, capital intensity as, um, say, pharmaceuticals <laughs> um, or other aspects of, uh, of you know, climate and, and clean tech. But, um, but we're getting there. Um, I think that investors have started to see the, um, started to see some of the issues and turn that into opportunity. Um, that's a good thing. Um, I think that there's, there's certainly scalability within the blue economy because it's so broad and so big. Um, and I think that we're seeing more investment dollars coming, R&D investment dollars coming from governments around the world. Uh, the EU has got uh, spent a lot of money in the blue economy. The United States is ramping up theirs. Australia and Canada have ramped up their um, their blue economy um, funds um, and um, and grants and, and credits. Um, and uh, and also China um, and and India has as well. So we're seeing we're seeing a lot more of this. There's also some blue economy um, hubs around around the world. Um, <laughs> So, so we do see a lot of activity. Um, you know, they're centered around what aspect of the blue economy those particular regions are good at. So there's that regionality aspect to it. Um, obviously, Singapore is big on shipping, but Norway is big on aquaculture. So, you know, it depends on what aspect of the blue economy um, that you, you're talking about. And, and, and honestly, um, there is also this proximity to certain kinds of problems and conditions, right? So um, South Florida, for example, is a hub for, um, for coral restoration. And so is um, Queensland in Australia. Um, it's, it's, that's, where the, that's where the concentration of startups that are working on coral restoration, that's where they are. Um, Shipping is centred around, you know, Rotterdam and um, Singapore and, um, uh, and, and our, uh, our location here in, in Los Angeles as well, be between, you know, the two ports here in Southern California, big ports here in Southern California. So we, we are seeing, uh, seeing that. There is, um, uh, so I think that that's allowing, um, that's allowing other um, investors to come in and, you know, see ahead in Boston, have got the, the, the Blue Angels group. Um, there's a lot of interest in what's happening up at um, Pacific Northwest National Lab and what's happening over at, at um, um, Maritime Blue in Washington State. So we've got, we've got a few of these clusters that are attracting the attention of investors. And I think that investors are starting to see, well, you know, I've, got some um you know they want to they want to maybe prioritize how they're category managing their portfolio so mm -hmm. they want to kind of look at um certain kinds of startups and diversify within that portfolio and i think that having these hubs and having them specialized regionally i think is important as well so that's that's an aspect that's driving um that's driving the um the investment community I also think that driving the investment community is a lot more um, a lot more impact investors who want to make changes around um, around the climate or um, uh, species loss, 
those are the kinds of things that I think uh, they, they want to make impact. But, you know, these days, if you're investing in blue, blue economy, I think you're going to be making impact anyway, whether you say you're an impact investor or whether you're saying you're a, you're a, um, a, uh, a regular investor and non-retail, a non-retail, non, um, uh, um, non-impact investor. Yeah. Mm. It, it's interesting. I mean, th those are fascinating uh, things to consider from an investor perspective. Would you say that, you know, some of the due diligence that investors have to do on blue economy startups, uh, are, there, are there special factors for blue economy startups or is it just generally the same as with any other type of startup? So I, I would generally say that, no, there's no difference. And I, I think most investors would probably push back on that idea. I mean, I'm just guessing, but I think that they might. I think that they, I think that some investors want different things, but for the most part, um, they're probably already investing in some aspect of the blue economy and they just don't know it. Mm -hmm. That and, makes a lot of sense. And, and so, so my belief is that we're, we're, um, we're just creating, um, we're creating good companies. Mm -hmm. um, they are, for the most part, investor ready. Although, you know, I'm, um, I'm of the, um, the school of thought that um, we raise money for startups based on their, um, on their stage and, and give them stage appropriate amounts of money. So I, I'm very, I'm, I'm pretty stuck on that. Um, and, and we definitely have identified gaps where there could be more investment um, rather than where we see some of the bets placed currently. Um, so I think that there's a couple of things from a diligence point of view, I think that, that, um, I think that there's a, a lot of, I would, I would like to see more, um, more diligence done, particularly on startups that haven't gone to an accelerator with specific domain expertise in the blue economy, because there are certain doors that they can open that say a, another kind of accelerator probably wouldn't, a general agnostic accelerator probably wouldn't be able to do. Now, that's not to say that those those agnostic accelerators, especially if they're a, a, you know, venture-backed accelerators, um, aren't going to provide some kind of value. But I think that, you know, there's a vast difference, I believe, in, in domain experts um, or even, even hiring domain experts, even if a, even if a, 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 a more agnostic um, tech accelerator kind of coin-operated a um, a consultant in the blue economy to advise companies in their portfolio on the blue economy. I think that would be a way better way of doing diligence than, um, than approaching it from the perspective that I've got to do some kind of special due diligence. Interesting. And it actually kind of leads me into my next question. And you kind of hinted at it uh, throughout um, our discussion. One was on regulation, another is on, on, on domain-specific hiring. What do you think are some of the big hurdles that you see, uh, not only in the short term, but maybe even the medium term, let's say three to five years, for the blue economy, whether it's for the startups or just the overall economy itself, blue economy itself? Um, okay. Um, 
Well, probably um, the biggest hurdles is, is climate change, right? Mm -hmm. um, and within that, there is quite a broad scope as well. Um, I think one of those things is uh, diminishing food supply. I think um, another one would be um, use of, um, of kelp aquaculture as a means of replacing um, a number of, and we can optimize kelp for, you know, higher saccharides, higher lipids, things like that. So we can get um, value-added ingredients out of, out of that and not just our value-added ingredients for, for food, but value-added ingredients that can, you know, lignin that can be turned into um, compostable um, plastics, um, uh, biofuels. I mean, we can talk all day about the benefits of kelp, but uh, I'm not going to. <laughs> um, I also think, excuse me, I think that um, synthetic biology is another area that we that we see growth in, uh, particularly um, in in the circular economy aspects of that. And, and then again, circular economy is another area that we see uh, in in uh, in the blue economy with with growth over the next five years. I would say that that's probably the one of the fastest growing areas of the blue economy. Um, I think offshore energy is another one that's going to grow. Um, uh, fin fish aquaculture, uh, land based fin fish aquaculture, um, coastal resilience, and um, and coastal resilience is going to be mighty important for insurance companies. So mm -hmm. there's a little bit of insurance tech that's 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 in that. And then of course, optimizing shipping and decarbonization of shipping. Those are the two aspects I think that in the shipping side that are going to have the most salience in uh, in the coming coming years, coming half decade. Interesting. In terms of, I mean, that's a broad swath. Do you think there are certain actors, whether it's startups, uh, NGOs, governments, uh, corporations, is there anything that any of those organizations or any organizations that you're aware of that can do to, to accelerate the growth of the, the blue economy or, or are things humming along perfectly fine? <laughs> um, well, I, I don't want to be critical, but, um, but I will say that I, I think that um, and I know that there's a finite pool of money and resources, but I think that government can do governments can do better at supporting R and D, and they don't have to necessarily support R and D with um, grant dollars. There's lots of in kind um, aspects. I mean, just looking at the in the United States, um, they could issue more challenge um, challenges for teams. Um, they could uh, open up more voucher programs for uh, for teams that are investigating the blue economy for a range of things, whether it's for a, you know a sponge or a cone shell that is um, that's got some cancer therapeutic. You know the NIH should be should be creating a, an avenue to allow that to um, to 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 happen. Um, and if that's kind of an in kind, you know, here's some lab space, here's some PIs. Here's some here's some um, uh, an institute within the NIH that you can use to you know uh, find and synthesize that particular chemical or that compound that might be useful for a cancer drug. Well, great, yeah. I mean that's that's what they should be doing, <laughs> and they should be targeting that to to people in the blue economy who are solving those problems, not just saying, well, you know, because we don't want to be overlooked. I think um, 
if they if they focus some of that energy into looking at the blue economy aspects of of say a targeted compound for therapeutics, then um, then they would broaden the amount of a potential um, solicitations, uh, sorry, proposals to their solicitations. So I think that's a useful, that would be a useful tool for government. Um, so that's one aspect. Um, the other aspect I think is, is you know, venture capital sometimes, um, especially early stage venture capital, um, tend to gravitate towards the buzz. Mm -hmm. And they gravitate towards buzz because typically venture, venture capital doesn't put money into R&D so much as it does for that, in that customer inflection point, you know, the demand inflection point. So there's this, there's this period of latency between when something is commercialized, um, you know, brought from the lab and then commercialized um, and then there's a the demand for it. So there's, there's this latency period. I, I want to see more. I want to see more in that latency period. I want to see more investment, stage appropriate investment in that latency period, particularly kind of between angel and seed. Yeah. That's, That's right. not what I'd like to see on the, on the investment side. Now on the startup side, I'd certainly like to see more um, emphasis placed on aspects of how we can grow the blue economy through student entrepreneurship and, um, and that can be supported through government programs as well, like i or which I'm involved in, or, or, or other aspects like that. And in Canada, it's, you know, the lab to market program. Um, mm -hmm. So there's, there's, there's a, a, I think, a range of ways in which we can approach this. I think that those are aspects that we can, we can, definitely, um, we can definitely adopt very, very quickly. That makes a lot of sense. I think we've, we've only touched the surface in terms of the blue economy, but Jim, usually with my podcast, I, I ask our, our guests um, what some, for some final, uh, final thoughts related to the blue economy and what our, our listeners should be thinking about as, as they maybe want to deep dive deep related to the blue economy. So Jim? What, they, what, what someone dives into in the blue economy? Just what they should, any final thoughts related to the blue economy? Is there anything that they should be thinking about if they're interested um, in, in learning more? Well, they should definitely come and see me. <laughs> they should definitely come and talk to me. <laughs> um, uh, look, I, I, I've seen everything in, from the ideation stage all the way through to, you know, uh, well-funded venture-backed companies um, that have got plenty of, um, plenty of uh, resources, and uh, have got revenue. Um, and they're still asking me, you know, is this appropriate? Is this a good idea? You know, help me with this. I need to, I need, think I need to get a grant to help develop this idea out or I need to do, I've seen it all. Um, we focus generally on earlier stage companies only because I think that that's a good place for us to shape them into um, that kind of investigation of the market mode, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I tend to focus on pre-accelerator and accelerator companies. Um, that's not to say that we don't do some consulting work around companies that are doing um, later stage stuff or growth, growth companies. We do. We do do that. Um, but what we, um, I think what I, I would tend to want to focus on as a final thought would be for companies that are doing stuff terrestrially, Mm -hmm. or adjacent, if you like, to the ocean, 
that there should be, they should definitely think about how they can um, adapt their product um, or their service or their, their um, if it's a software or if it's a piece of hardware or any other kind of enabling technology. Um, if it's some kind of aspect of science or engineering, I think, um, I think they should definitely see how that can be applied to, to the oceans and, um, and definitely um, uh, consider that as, a, as a, the next horizon for their growth. Interesting. And we'll definitely include a link in, in, in the podcast uh, to Brain Theory so they can get in touch with you, Jim. So, Jim, this has been a fascinating discussion. Thank you again for participating in the podcast. Thanks, Eric. I appreciate it. Thanks very much.